welcome to Defiance. I'm now 14 shows in, and I do want to say a massive thanks to everyone who has helped support the show, whether you are a listener or a guest, and to those who have been sharing the show out on social media. I really appreciate it. The show's doing really well, so thank you so much. Anyway, I'm your host, Peter McCormack, and today I've got an interview with Hawk Newsom, the president of Black Lives Matter New York, to discuss the BLM movement. I became aware of Hawk after watching the Mike Cernovich documentary, Hoaxed. So when I was in New York, I reached out to Hawk and arranged some time to meet up and discuss BLM so I can understand a bit more about the movement. If you have any questions about the show, then please feel free to get in touch. My email address is peter at defiance.news. But before we get into the interview, I do need to thank my sponsor, Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange kraken puts the power in your hands to buy sell and trade bitcoin are you a bitcoiner if not and you would like to learn more about bitcoin then please do check out my other show what bitcoin did which kraken also sponsors bitcoin is a decentralized peer-to-peer digital currency without any central authority by not having any controlling party required to validate transactions, Bitcoin is both trustless and permissionless. It is an opt-out of government fuckery. And as Edward Soda said, Bitcoin is freedom. Find out more at kraken.com, which is K-R-A-K-E-N.com. Also, if you are enjoying Defiance and you want to support the show, there's a number of things you can do. You can leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. You can follow me on social media at Peter McCormack, and you can share it out with your friends and family. The reason why we fight is to draw attention to issues and to fix it. Resilient, resolute, defiant in the face of impossible odds. We are in the beginning of a mass extinction and all you can talk about is money. Hundreds of protesters turned out singing glory to Hong Kong, an anthem of defiance. Hawk, man, finally, we got to do this. <laughs> right on. Thanks for coming on. So I obviously became aware of you when I saw the Mike Cernovich documentary. I've known about Black Lives Matters across from the UK. Mm-hmm. We don't have as big a racial divide in the UK, but I also know that the movement has spread to the UK. There is a Black Lives Matters movement. So I just want to find out more about it. So a great starting point would be if you could tell me how you became involved in Black Lives Matters. Okay, I was born into this movement. My parents met in 1969, the year after Dr. King died. It was protest all over the country, and my dad was leading a protest at their high school so that they can have an African-American studies class and all the things that followed. So my dad was outside. My mother was looking out the window from class, and he told her, you know, come downstairs, girl. We're protesting. Fast forward a few years. I was born on April 4th. That's historically significant in African-American culture because that's the day that Maya Angelou was born. That's the day that Dr. King was assassinated in a different year. Also, the day that Adam Clayton Powell Jr. died in a different year. All significant people in African-American culture. So my early childhood was very pro-black, very, very, very militant. And I learned things from a different perspective. Dad, why don't you like Elvis Presley? Because Elvis Presley is a racist. Dad, why don't you like John Wayne? Because John Wayne is a you know? Mm-hmm. So um, I, I never forget my earliest mem- memory was I watched the movie Top Gun. I love that movie. And I was like, Dad, I want to be a fire pilot. And he was like, if you go into that white man's army, 
you'll be mopping the deck that the planes take off from. Now, this is a man who always told me to shoot for the stars, but he gave me the world in very realistic, uh, with a very realistic perspective. Right, okay. And the start of the movement itself was, a, it was a hashtag, right? Yes. Three sisters, one of them wrote an open letter to black people in the wake of the Trayvon Martin tragedy. And one of them hashtagged Black Lives Matter under it, and it ballooned from there. They had a group out in L.A. called Justice for Trayvon Martin L.A. that became the original Black Lives Matter organization, and it spread. It spread across the world. There are 400 Black Lives Matter organizations. About 30 of them are sanctioned. We are not sanctioned because of political differences, but we carry the banner. We've carried the banner since its inception, and we continue to. We try to pay homage and respect to those who created it and try to stay true to the foundational principles as much as possible, which are black liberation, focusing on the most marginalized people, people from uh, black people, black women particularly, people from the LGBTQ plus community. The, the vision is you should empower and amplify the voices of the most oppressed people and center around them. Right, okay, so it's, it's moved beyond just the aggression and problems with police violence? Um, I don't think we can ever move past aggression until America stops being aggressive toward us, until Europe, the UK, until Africa. And once the, the global assault on blackness is dismantled, then we can never move past the aggression. And how much of a problem is it still right now? Like, what are the key issues that you are facing or black people are facing? Uh, I was just down in Washington, D.C. with Byron Allen fighting against Comcast in the Supreme Court. Comcast is trying to take the teeth out of the oldest civil rights act in America. We were supposed to get 40 acres in a mule after slavery. They denied us that. And what they gave us was, in 1866, they gave us a piece of legislation that said you'd have equal access to contracts. And right now, Comcast is trying to do away with that in the highest court of the land, which is problematic because they had, I, you know, I'm, I went to law school. Mm -hmm. They had other routes that they could go. They could have fought it out in the lower courts, but they chose to go to the highest court in the land under a Donald Trump government and... <sighs> I don't disempower black people like it's egregious it's malicious it's a lot of things um police violence is still there there are teenagers who are being beat up by officers in new york city a lot of people saw a video a few weeks ago of a cop running through a crowd of people just randomly hitting people people who were just filming who were just cop watching you know that's that's one of my big tenants i have a show called cop watch america mm -hmm. which comes on bet every wednesday at 11 p.m eastern 10 central it's going over to europe and also africa but what we do is we observe the cops in their activities we also challenge them we challenge politicians we march we raise awareness and most importantly we organize in our communities so there's a lot happening right now so quite interestingly when i was on my flight on the way over they had the la 92 documentary on there, which I hadn't actually seen yet. I do remember, I remember it happened as a kid. I remember just seeing the riots kicking off. Was that the, was that the starting point 
of people being aware that this stuff could be filmed and could be observed? I think, yeah. I think, well, it was a resurgence, right? I believe that Dr. King was a brilliant leader, but the world doesn't appreciate his strategic mind. I don't know if nonviolence was more so a core philosophy as much as it was a brilliant strategy. Now, you're going to take these aggressive police officers who are sicking dogs on people, who are spraying them with water hoses, who are shooting and beating them, and put them on television for everyone in America to see. Right? Mm-hmm. That, that was brilliant. So it, it's easy to, to accept Racism. It was easier for the country to accept racism when it wasn't in your face. But when it was on every television in America, then it became problematic. Then people started saying, hey, enough is enough. This thing has to change. What are they asking for? What do they want? They want the right to vote. They want civil rights. And then you had the passing of, you know, the Civil Rights Act. And there have been a number of you know, key incidents, key shootings. You mentioned Trayvon mm-hmm. Martin. I've obviously, in my research, I've, I've read about what happened with Michael Brown, mm-hmm. with Eric Garner. So there's been a lot. Has there been any change, or is there still a consistent problem here? No. And I always knew that it would get worse before it got okay. better. Look at Andrew Kears. Mm-hmm. Andrew Kears was a man who was not a saint. Andrew Kears had a lot of things that would make the average American not feel sympathy for him. However, the way he died, no one deserves to die like that. It was cruel and unusual punishment. An officer placed him in the back of a squad car. Over the next 17 minutes, he said, officer, help me, officer, I can't breathe. I feel dizzy, tightness in my chest. Things that any normal American would hear, any humane person would hear and say, hey, this guy needs medical assistance. The cop ignored him and Andrew Kears died. The cop was driving, he drove past two hospitals. So what we're fighting for is a legislation that says, if someone is saying they can't breathe, if someone looks or or asks for medical attention and an officer does not give it to them, then that person should be charged with a felony. I believe in legislative fixes. I believe that legislation is a pill that will cure a lot of ills. A lot of people do not believe in that, but if you look at the progress that black people have made in this country, it has come in the form of legislation. Okay, so what are the other things that you are fighting for then, other legislative changes that you think will make a difference? Because there is that, but there also seems therefore to be an institutional racism problem Mm -hmm. within the police. Absolutely, absolutely. You have to change police culture. I look forward to the day that we abolish the police as we know it today. Okay to where we do not need as many police officers, to where they don't occupy our neighborhoods like a force. Another piece of legislation would be if a police officer says me and you, Peter, Mm -hmm. and we're cops, right? right. And and we're both two tough guys and we we ride around, we have a bond, our families hang out together, Mm -hmm. and you beat the crap out of someone illegally, and I lie on a report and say that the man attacked you, If I'm found to be a liar through videographic evidence or another way, then I should be charged with a felony and I should go to jail. That way, you will stop this so-called good cop. I I don't believe in good cops. I may have said it before, but at this point, I don't believe that a cop can be good if he'll stand on a stay on the same force as someone who brutalizes, who murders people. 
cops should be protesting more than us. If they want to stop feeling grief, then they have to take a hard stand and say, we won't tolerate illegal activity on either side of the law. So, Can they not protest from within the police? And is anyone doing that? Uh, there have been officers who stood out in support of Colin Kaepernick. There yep. have been officers who came out and there was some a group called the NYPD 12 who talked about a quota system. But when a police officer stands up in that department, they are scrutinized and they are penalized. Whether it's made public or not, there's a code. It's called the blue wall of silence. Yeah. You don't rat on other cops. So you have cops that are living by the same code as criminals and nobody is seeking to cure this. If you look at the police unions, police unions don't come out against officers who rape women. There are officer, there's an officer in New York City who was running drugs with El Chapo, the Mexican drug lord. They did not come out against him. Is he the guy who just recently died? El Chapo? No, the, the the cop. No, the cop. He's he's still he's Is still he? alive. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure. I don't know. I've been on the road. I've been in five he, states I in the last I've, twelve days. I'm sure I've read about a cop who was running drugs and he for El Chapo and he died recently. Oh wow! Here yeah. in New York, I could be wrong. What's his well, name? I'm not sure. All right. Okay. I know it was, uh, he was actually a black man. I, I I don't think that it's just white officers. I think that policing as a culture is racist. Yes, because there are black police officers, right? Mm -hmm. Are you talking to those? Are you? What kind of feedback are you getting? Uh, I'm a cigar smoker, <laughs> all right? And there's rules in cigar culture. And we kind of leave politics out of these rooms. And we have open dialogue. So I go downstairs in Papa Juan's, a local cigar place in the Bronx, and someone says, hey... I just want to let you know that these are two New York City corrections officers. And we had a real conversation, right? January 1st, thousands of people are going to be released from jail. And he believes that it'll be a, a, a wave of crime that's hitting the street. I believe that we people who advocated for the release of these, those individuals have to do our part and stop the violence in our communities and find resources to help these people get on their feet. That way they don't break the law. If you do the math, drug dealing, right, pays less than minimum wage. That book Freakonomics covers it. Exactly. Yeah. It, See, they do the whole, it's the most dangerous job and it pays lower than minimum wage. That's it, right? So if you give these folks a, a fair wage, then they won't be out there committing crimes. Crimes are out of, a lot of crimes are out of necessity. They're out of destitution. What we are advocating for now is a universal basic income. We want everybody in America, white, black, you name it, to receive $1,000 a month. How do we do that? We tax data, and we also tax the companies that are automating jobs away. I'm on the verge of doing something that's really dangerous, I'm going to go into rural areas in middle America and talk to white people who might not like me, but white people who face the same enemy that I face. Like, let's face it, the rich are the problem, okay? I'm not saying you can't accumulate wealth, but along with great uh, responsibility comes a great burden. I'm not wording it the right way, but at the same time, these people are worried about 
paying tax on their land. These people are worried about their jobs, their homes. So if you take a thousand dollars and infuse it into these households, people might have a two thousand dollar, fifteen hundred dollar mortgage that they can barely pay. And it's four adults in that house. That's four thousand dollars in that house. And American taxpayers won't tax it. It's only the one percent people who are making tons of money. It's only these companies that are taking your jobs away. I'm talking to to people who work in malls. I'm talking to people who work in pharmacies. I'm talking to people who will be replaced by robots. I'm advocating for all of them. So it's Black Lives Matter, but it's it's also it's also about everyone at the same time. Okay, that's interesting. I heard the Andrew Yang interview with Joe Rogan where he was discussing the thousand dollars. Do you know what? We'll avoid the debate today because I think I would disagree with you on it. But I've okay. got other things I'm sh- short time I want to talk to you about. Specifically, you mentioned Colin Kaepernick. So I saw Colin play in London. You know we get NFL games in London. Right on. Yeah, so uh, 49ers was my team as a kid, right? Ah, yes. Yeah, so when I was a kid, they were the Joe first Montana? big team. Joe Montana. My man, Jerry Rice. Yeah, Jerry Rice yeah. and then Steve Young afterwards. Right. Yeah. And, and that yeah. was So that was the first team I ever used to watch. So when they came to London, I was like, I've got to go and see them. And Kaepernick was quarterback, mm-hmm. and he was brilliant. I'd never seen a quarterback run with a ball like him. Mm. Like, he was running all the time. And then, obviously, I followed what happened when he you know, took the knee. And then, what it seems to me, he's, just, he's almost been raised as an NFL footballer. No team will take him. Mm-hmm. No team will play him. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, he's good enough to play. Yes. So this to me now says there's a problem of institutional racism within football. Yet, I mean, what percentage of pro football players are black do you know I, I dare to say 60 to 80 percent yeah yes yeah but you've got this guy who's not getting a team now for taking the knee what, so what's going on there what's the follow-up question to what percentage of all football players are black the follow-up question is what percentage of owners owners are yeah. black or white yeah like what a hundred percent 97 i believe it's like 97 percent so there's one guy yeah there's like one guy in uh I don't even know if he's black. He's, I think he's like Indian or Persian. I'm not sure. But these are the problems that we face when we talk about black ep- economics and us being employees and consumers as opposed to being owners and producers. And it's harder for us to break into these industries. It's harder for us to accumulate power. And what is that? That's in institutional racism it's white supremacy is this delusion of white supremacy and we say a lot of things that make people cringe just because you don't like the way i word something does that make me wrong just because you don't like the way medicine tastes does it make it ineffective no way so why was colin kaepernick quote unquote erased it's because he stood up for black people what happens to folks who stand up to the government who's uh, for to benefit black people right mm-hmm. they're killed they're placed in jail i mean they're assassinated if we were to go back 10 years 20 years maybe a few thousand years there was a guy who ran around preaching against corruption in the government what happened to him he was nailed to a cross his name was Jesus Christ. He even had a problem with the church. He went in a church and flipped over tables. Jesus was a radical revolutionary, right? And what did he want? What did he want most of all? For you to love your neighbor as you love yourself. There are a lot of people in this world who follow Christ but are not Christ-like. 
I believe that as an activist organizer, I'm following the path of Christ. How much of a change have you seen under Trump in that, you know, if we refer back to Colin Kaepernick, he was very critical of anyone taking mm-hmm. the knee. And I think he, didn't he say something along the lines of like anyone who, who takes a knee should be like cut from the team? I yeah. think he did. Have you, is it, has it got worse under Trump? Donald Trump called Colin Kaepernick a son of a bitch. For what? Was, was, what, did, did Colin Kaepernick rape anyone? Did Colin Kaepernick beat up a woman? Did Colin Kaepernick break up, break any laws? Did Colin Kaepernick do anything that was un-American? No. Actually, what he did was the first thing listed in our Constitution. It was freedom of speech. That was a patriotic act. And Donald Trump, let's, 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 let's call it what it is. If it walks like a duck, if it talks like a duck, if he walks like a racist, if he talks like a racist, then he is a racist. I don't have to come right out and say I'm a racist to exhibit racist behaviors. And what you have to understand is if someone is hurt, if someone has a perception of you, it's, it's not up to you to tell them that it's not real. It's up to you to try and understand why. And Donald Trump's practices have been really, really disparaging, flat out racist to people of color. He's targeting people of color. When you start talking about immigration, mm-hmm. who does he target? Immigrants, right? When he says immigrants, undocumented people, he's going after Latinx people. He's going after black countries. What about the Russian people who are here? What about the white people from all of these other countries who are here illegally? You don't see them in ICE raids. You don't see them in concentration camps. That's why we call him racist, because it's manifested in his actions. Once again, you do not have to like what I say, but find your own truth. Take you a little bit of of Fox News, put it in a pot with some CNN and go and find some guys like, you know, who are out there just doing the work like you are, my friend. Mm -hmm. And, And get your own information and get an understanding. And I'm sure you'll come to the same conclusion as me. All right. Well, let me ask you a question. This this one, if I word this insensitively, Mm-hmm. Yeah, forgive me, but Go I want to. I, I want to ask this question: Is there any possibility by having a movement such as Black Lives Matters? I understand the intention, but at the same time, are you carrying on the separation of black people? And also, is there any risk that you demonize white people with such a movement as a group of people? Honestly, you know who's being demonized right now? Mm-hmm. The white American man. Okay. Right. Because he has been controlled since this country's inception in this country is not living up to his potential, right? Mm-hmm. And he's done everything in his power to maintain power and to keep people out of leadership roles. Take black people out of it. Take brown people out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Women. Think about how the white man has oppressed women. This this is a reality. Can I curse? You can you can say what the I fuck you want. I do not give a fuck about the white man's feelings. Okay? Mm-hmm. Like this is my heart. This is my soul. Look who's done the most egregious things throughout history. And now that we say, hey, you know what? It's time to loosen up control and let other people in positions of power, they feel demonized. 
after they've oppressed people and hurt people for all these years, they feel demonized. Is this every white man? No, but are we talking about rich white man who enslave people for labor? Mm-hmm. who hang them from trees when they try to get freedom? Are we talking about rich white men who subjugate women, who oppress women, who who promote misogyny? Are we talking about the same people, right? The, the, this is this 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 is the problem. Like oh god. Um there is a person who is very popular and and, and very much hated, but the way he rose to power was because he told it like it is. Right. Mm-hmm. And we all know who that man is and what office he sits in. America, the world needs for more people to tell it like it is. But it has to be from a heart centered place. Well, hold, well, hold on. I know what I'm thinking of. Are you, who are we're you talking about the same person. I despise the man, but we're talking about the same person. And what he does is he speaks to his people. OK. Donald Trump talks to his demographic, to his base in a language that they understand, that they like, and he tells it to them straight. Imagine if other politicians did that. Imagine if other politicians told it to people straight and delivered. He's delivered on terrible policy. Well, there was one guy, Ron Paul. Uh huh. He told it how it was, and then he got a raise from all media yeah. when he was when he was successful. Yeah, yeah. I mean. Who 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 was he talking about? Who who were the enemy? But the thing is, when you talk about the white man like that, I don't feel like you're describing me. I feel like we could be friends now. If I came to New York, we could hang out. I could go and smoke a cigar with you. Right and on. we can have an honest conversation, and I could ask you honestly tough questions, and you'll take them and mm-hmm. back and forth. So you're still talking about like an institutional problem, not yes. an individual problem. Yes. And I've also seen on you know some of the, I think maybe some of the videos, Instagram, it's not just black people at these events, right? No. No, no, no. There's a, a large amount of white people, young white people, who get it, who don't like the world that we live in. When we say that this is the um, new civil rights movement, think about what was happening in mm-hmm. the civil rights movement. You had people who were anti-war, white people who were taking over streets. They called them hippies who were promoting peace and love. All of that is happening again. And it's up to our generation to get it right this time and for us to stop people from selling out. It's time for me to find ways to unite with other black people, you know? Uh-huh. It, it, it's, it's time for us. To, it, it's a message of, of unity. And I'll go into a room and I'll say, fuck this whole room. And it'll be black and brown people in there who aren't doing what they need to do, who are playing their part in oppression. Do I mean fuck you, I hate you? I'm No, I mean fuck you, you can do better. Okay, let me pick you up on something because you talked about unity there, yeah? Uh Uh-huh. But when you say, for example, Black Lives Matters, I totally understand the message because especially for the things that have happened with the police aggression, but at the same time, it's not itself... It's not a term of unity, black lives matters. And you've obviously faced the the backlash where people have said all lives matters. And obviously mm-hmm. my interest came from the Cernovich interview where he showed you some data you weren't aware of and you were taken aback by that. There's not really a question there. It's more of an observation. Mm-hmm. I guess the question I'm, I'm going I'm to ask is, what's the end goal? When, how will you know when you've kind of 
achieve what you need to achieve and, and things have changed. When will this campaign have to not be required anymore? It's when you see me on a yacht on somewhere a yacht. in the Mediterranean, <laughs> I don't know, not in Africa, Congress. Greece. No, not with me in a political no, no. I'm I'm not a fool. People in Congress don't have the power. It's the people who give them the money to get elected, people mm-hmm. who get them the votes, who call them and say, listen here, you motherfucker. You promised me this. You better deliver or I'll replace you. That's the power. People who tell them what to do. So for me, it's for black people to be liberated. What does liberation look like? Equal access. Mm-hmm. I don't believe in equality. Yep. I don't believe in equality. I believe in access, right? Everybody has a base that they can start on and they can travel on a road that is free from impediment. Okay. That is free from impediment. So, once we achieve that, once, you know, we start talking about Afro-socialism, right? Everyone should have food to eat. Mm -hmm. Everyone should have a home. And everybody should have guaranteed income. There's enough to go around. We need to stop being selfish, right? We need to, there are more vacant apartments than there are homeless people in New York. That's problematic. We have the same in London. Exactly. You have mega churches. And I like, I I walk past churches at night. I wander. I'm a wanderer. I walk through the streets of the Mm -hmm. city. I'm a wanderer. I'm a big guy. I handle myself well. I might have some protection on me to protect myself. But I'm going to wander these streets, right? I'm not going to fight you. And I, <laughs> and I walk past churches. Uh-huh. And I see people sleeping on the steps of churches. And I thank God that they're there because they know they're safe there. But I often wonder, why don't they just open their doors and let people in? There was a mega church when the hurricanes hit Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. that did not let the people in. Like, why are we this selfish? Why, why do we live in this, this scarcity mindset? We have to understand that God gave us enough for everyone to live. Like, we should be more willing to help each other out. Why do poor people who are on welfare have to pay for the train? Like, if you have a card that gives you food stamps every month, mm-hmm. Why do you have to pay to get on the subway? Obviously, you've met a certain need requirement. Let's help people. Let's help them get to work. Help them. Let's educate people. Look at our schools. We need financial literacy. Helping's good. Yeah. Do you think there's the chance that if you, if you help too much, you disempower people? In in that, see, my my worry is that if you if you give too much away, you disempower people from mm-hmm. from actually making strong decisions of their own. Have you ever been poor? Uh, yes, a fair question. On on what you're considering poor, probably not. But I've lost everything a couple of times, uh-huh. and I've had to work my my ass off. But I've always had a safety net. Resiliency is a beautiful thing. Yeah, it's so I'm resilient. Gift. But and I've everything I've had, I've worked for. But yeah. but I I do have a safety net of family and friends, whereby I've never been in that situation. You know, and I'm tr- quite conscious of this. But I've never been in that situation. I'm like, fuck, I've got nowhere to sleep. And I've got no money for food. I've always had the safety net. Now, if you could imagine living in an apartment where you have an eviction notice, you're two months behind on your rent, you have to scrape together everything you got, borrow from people to pay the bills so you can live there, but you don't have enough for electricity. You don't have enough for phone. 
and you have children who have to have the basic needs. They have to have clothes. Why? Because if poor kids don't have the basic needs, they're going to figure out a way to go out and get what they need. And what's presented to them is that's by running a scam or selling drugs, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't pay your rent. You can't pay your light bill. And your kids need clothes or you might lose them to crime. You know how stressful that is? Like coming home and opening your refrigerator and saying, damn, and your refrigerator is so empty it echoes back. I lived it, right? Mm -hmm. So imagine if those basic needs were met. Okay. I believe in humanity. Mm -hmm. I believe in people. I don't believe that they'll get lazy if you provide for them. I believe that they will go out and find gainful employment to make more money. I believe that if their basic needs are met, met, they have the freedom from that trauma, from that stress of poverty, that they can go out and be productive. That's 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 you know that's what I think. Yeah, I'm in this strange position at the moment where I I'm struggling for the left or right solution, and I'm I'm more interested in this solution which is driven by having less government, where people's goals say, you know, let's stop swinging left or right, let's stop talking about redistribution of wealth, let's talk about reducing the size of government and reducing all taxes. Have you looked into that at all? I've heard the conversations, but when I think of of reducing the role of government, I think of empowering people. Okay. Right. I think that we can't get to a place where we reduce the role of government until the government fixes problems. The government is responsible for our safety and our well-being. Mm-hmm. Until they fix the education system, until they stop this food apartheid, Mm -hmm. until they figure out a way to protect people, they can't go anywhere, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if you get everybody to a productive place and then you say, okay, let's shrink the government, that's cool. You understand? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to – the more you work, the simpler your job gets, and I think that's what we really have to, we have to look into. I don't and these problems of poverty, education, and food, they aren't race-specific, right? They can affect anyone, but they disproportionately affect black people. Is that correct? Yeah, they, but it's, it's targeted, man. Like, okay. You, you, you have to be realistic and say, okay, black schools are shitty because X, Y, and Z. Black people can't get jobs because they're discriminated against Mm -hmm. there is lack of opportunity in our communities because it's intentional democrats help us right but at the same time if they get us to where we need to be we won't need them anymore right Mm -hmm. you look at republicans and they their 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 views and their policies and the people that they associate themselves with have anti-black sentiment just flowing freely just flowing freely right so who do we trust i trust the people i think it's people v government it's not blue v red because if you you look at the the democrats they're controlled by corporations right Mm -hmm. you look at republicans they're controlled by corporations they're the same prostitutes. They just have different pimps. So what progress have you made? Or like, what are the wins that you've had? Ah, oh, man. So it's sad, but we will 
all that we got out of the Eric Gardner case was the firing of the officer, mm-hmm. which was at the very least something. But he wasn't prosecuted. No, he 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 was prosecuted in Long in Staten Island. Okay, Staten Island is a red borough. It's very Republican, very pro cop, very pro just everything right. And he didn't prosecute the cop. The the DA didn't prosecute the cop. And usually if you drop a big case, it's political suicide. But he dropped that case and got elected to Congress because he made his constituency happy. So how does that look to me? As a reasonably intelligent man, right, that a cop can choke someone and people support that cop regardless of their actions. I mean, it's shocking. It is, but that's America. Like, you can't, you can't be so pro-cop to your anti-people, and the police have so much money and so much power that folks cave. That well, folks it was cave. the same with, like, Rodney King, though, right? Because they moved the, the court case into a, a suburb of L.A., mm-hmm. which was very pro-cop, and the case was very biased, and the jury is very biased. This is something that hasn't actually therefore changed in 25 years. Hasn't changed in centuries, my brother. Well. 1619, 400 years okay. of our enslavement on this continent. And what I give credit to a lot of rich people for right now is that they're trying to decarcerate America. And it's not because black people are still enslaved. It's because they're spending too much money to keep people in prison. You realize that we spend 180-something thousand dollars to keep a man locked away in Rikers Island here in New York for a year? The reason we got Rikers Island closed was because of activists and a lot of hedge fund people coming to the conclusion that it's, it's wrong and two, it's, it's very expensive to keep people locked up. So these Especially people, those for nonviolent crimes, no victimless crimes, it's a waste. I mean, even Trump has recognized that. Yeah, yeah, in the first step back, and he did something really great with Kim Kardashian yeah. and Van Jones. I'm not taking it. See, that's the problem. Because I'm this activist, I'm supposed to hate everyone who doesn't agree with me. I'm a ruthless pragmatist. <laughs> yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah. Ruthless pragmatist. Ruthless, ruthless. So if someone does something good that I agree with, I'm going to acknowledge it. If there's a way for me to work with someone who I do not politically agree with and we can liberate some folk and we can help some folk, I'm going to do it. However, if I'm empowering you to do something else that is more horrific, than what we're curing, then I won't engage you. Well, look, I saw the videos at the rally. Is it, do, you, do you call it the, was it more rally or M-O-A-R? More. It is mother more. of all rallies. Yeah. yeah. So I saw that, which uh-huh. was kind of mind-blowing. I'll have to share that out. What was it like? How did that even happen? We went down to Washington. We went down to Richmond, Virginia to protest Confederate monuments. And mm-hmm. we had word that pro-Confederacy, pro-Trump, white supremacists, were there, like they were in Charlottesville. We were in Charlottesville on the front lines fighting. Like so you were there? Fighting. I was there. Were you there the day? I was there. I got hit in my face with rock. I may Shit. or may not have thrown a few punches or a few rocks, but I was definitely there. In, yeah. in the tear gas, in the smoke, I watched the police stand two blocks away 
while two groups that hate each other faced off. And I've been protesting hardcore for four or five years. And mm-hmm. I, and police are always there. Always. But I think they actually wanted those guys to hurt us. Wow, Charlottesville. I lost my train of thought. But the mother yep. of all rallies. So we went down to Richmond. It was a dud. You had like two guys on the, on the opposition show up. So we were driving back to New York and we got lost. I was asleep. And when I woke up, someone was like, wow, Hawk. I never, it was actually one of the, Andrew Kirsch's wife hmm. said, wow, Hawk, I've never seen anything. I've, I've never been to D.C. Now, what you have to understand is we take victims and turn them into victors, turn them into fighters, teach them how to organize, teach them how to fight for themselves and empower their community. So it's not like we're just coming here and saying, hey, uh, let us speak for you or anything like that. No, we're teaching you how to fight so you can teach others how to fight. So we went to D.C. We walked up. We heard everything in the book. Your go back to Africa, N-word, this, that. And we went to the front of the stage and the police ran over to us sweating. It was two cops, eight of us, and over a thousand quote unquote white guys. yeah white white guys but no there was some black guys in there we call them coons what's his name who were there and they're patriots right right now when you say you're a patriot in america it doesn't mean you love your country we associate that with you being a right racist even people on the right are like you know these patriots they're not us mm-hmm. so we the police were asking us to go and stand in the back because they knew if something was to happen, they'd have to try and defend us, and they'd get mowed down along with us. We might have been able to take out a couple, but it would have been a massacre. But we stood our ground, and then some guy says, hey, you want to go on stage? And I promise you, on the way to that stage, it was like heaven opened up, and God was like, make them understand who you are. And I tell people all the time, if you put me in that situation again, I probably would have went on stage and cursed all of them to hell for their politics. But in Charlottesville, I was given a speech and um, and I had a poster with a stick under it and I had a bullhorn. And every time I was talking, my friend would be like, watch out. And I put the poster in front of me and water bottles, rocks or whatever would, would hit it. I was mm-hmm. blocking myself. And then they threw one too many, and I said, fuck this. And I ran to the side to look for rocks to throw, and I gave Nepal Kiazolo, who's our president now, I ran to the side, I gave her my bullhorn, and I said, hold this, and I started looking for things to pick up. And some little old white lady, she was probably an angel, way too old to be in the middle of a race riot, maybe 80 years old, I said, son, your mouth is the most powerful weapon you have. It can do more damage than anything that you pick up out here. And I looked at her like, thank you, ma'am. But in my mind was like, whatever, lady. <laughs> and I picked up my rocks and I went and I jumped right back into action. Did you regret that whole? What? Getting in the action, fighting, throwing rocks? Not at all. You don't regret that? No, not at all. Okay. These people had guns. Okay. Guns that were as long as our arms. They had pepper spray. Mm-hmm. They were attacking women with hammers. Okay. We had to hold the line okay. for the sake of justice. Mm-hmm. Like for the sake, they, these people had signs that said "kill niggers, kill Jews." Right? It's fucking insane when you think about it. That it's that, it, that it's that extreme still. Yes, but this is this is what we faced. And and I watched the right. I watched them tell their story. Mike Zerinovich's movie. Yeah, they were like, "Oh, we were peaceful. We were," and I, and I'm like, "Nah, man, 
I was there. I was there, and, and I walked over, and I saw people from Antifa. I saw people who were peaceful protesting, peaceful protesters, just standing up and protesting in opposition, right? No weapons. I saw a stick in a bat, right? Because I know that because I grabbed the bat later on in the day. Didn't hit anybody with the bat. But um, as soon as I walked up, people were like, watch out. Things were flying our way. I look across. People were in military formations with, with goggles, helmets. They came ready to fight. Mm -hmm. Sticks, guns, knives, machetes. These people came ready to fight. There's no defending their actions mm -hmm. because they were highly aggressive. There was one thing that I witnessed firsthand. There was a group of white dudes who were pushing back against the police unit, right? And it was kind of like this weird tug-of-war like battle. There were shields in between them, and each group was pushing back. And I just thought, if that was us, we would all be shot. But that's what you call white privilege. So that little lady... That little lady came into my mind at the mother of all rallies. And now it was time to talk. And now it was time to make people know who we were. And I did that. A lot of people saw me as capitulating, as, as tap dancing, as... Um, but like you said, you got to talk to people. Yeah, yeah. And I'm supposed to let Nancy Pelosi talk for me. I'm supposed to let, you know, these politicians talk for me. Like, I believe in the power of the people. Mm -hmm. I believe that the community should rule. Nobody can watch that footage from the Moore rally and say that wasn't, wasn't a good decision and that you hadn't changed people's opinions. You know, they created more unity yeah. between people who were divided. You know who hate it? Uh, uh, the people who are... The people who are hardcore on either side. Of course. You know? Because they don't want any unity in the no. end. They don't, want rational they don't want rational arguments. They just want to fight. It's like, I mean, Antifa, yeah. I just see as irrational people who just mm -hmm. want to fight. If you only want to fight, you're never going to get anywhere. I think there's a need for Antifa. I do. Ooh, I, I think so. You know why I like Antifa? <laughs> Antifa is a bunch of white dudes <laughs> who are mad at other white racist dudes. And they're using the same tactics that other... Okay, let me sound like I have a law degree. Antifa sees themselves as protecting us from racist right-wingers who don't have a problem using violence. So they protect us by using violence. You know? It's kind of like the bully being mad when he's punched in the face. The, the people that Antifa fight celebrate... Hitler. See, I've got to pull you up on this one. See, I can't yeah. agree. And I'll tell you why I can't agree for two, for a couple of reasons. Firstly, I think they're fascists themselves mm -hmm. because their message is hypocritical. I also followed, you know, I think going around and hitting people like Andy, Andy No with a bite lock in the head and cracking people in the head, you're going you to kill somebody. And you, you might kill an innocent person. You know, Andy No isn't, a, isn't a, a racist and he was attacked innocently. And also... Like you said a moment ago, you, you're the most powerful thing you have is your voice. And these people, at the moment, the most powerful thing they have is their fists. And this part, I, this is where I'd go, I'm, I, mm -hmm. I get what I get, I understand your position. I couldn't agree with that. Yeah. No, and I, and I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. But at the same time, white supremacists killed Hella Higher. Yeah. I've, you right? know, they've, I, they've, they've shed blood forever. Like, 
how hypocritical is it for America to tell us to protest peacefully, right? You get what you want through peaceful means. What has America ever achieved through peaceful means? Well, you got rid of us with the with the gun. <laughs> exactly, right? Yeah. With the gun. You got rid of us. We um, are, are the threat of guns. We are bullies. We are imperialists. And we believe in violence. However, America deals with activists with violence. I don't know if a lot of your listeners know this, but the American government was held responsible for the death of Martin Luther King Jr., right? No. This is a mm-hmm. fact. In a lawsuit, like, they were found guilty in the death of Martin Luther King. So, how is it that the most violent people in the world could look at you and say the only way you could achieve your goal is through peace? Doesn't that seem, like, misleading in the least? I think think the history of the world, you've seen a lot of people, the only thing they've uh, achieved is through violence, whether, you know, any parts of the world. And I I get that and I understand that. I, I have to separate Antifa in this because... I don't really know what they're fighting for. They seem like they just want to fight. Uh, all right, well, listen, look, I've taken it through the things I wanted to get through, conscious of time, but I do want to close out on a couple of things. So, people listening to this, mm-hmm. white, black people, whoever, what kind of message do you want to give to them? What's, like, what's, your, what's your hope and what do you want people to take away from this and how can people help? And even in like strange, different ways that people might not even expect. Go to my Instagram. Yeah. It's at H A W K dot Newsom N E W S O Emerson Mary E. We need help from people who care. But we don't need white people to come into our communities and be saviors, right? What do they call it? Poverty tourism and kind of take selfies and mm-hmm. be feeding kids in Africa. No. What you do is you teach people in your community, you reach out and you talk to other white people and you say things like, let's say, you see your favorite newscaster on Fox News, right? I'm talking to people on the right. Yeah, I don't watch that. Say something like, (laughs) yeah, right? Say something racist. You have to call him out for being racist. Uh You have to enlighten your friend that does not believe in systemic oppression. You have to pull that person up. You have to help that people, right? You have to make a difference in your workplace at, when you see that there are dis- discriminatory practices, when you see that in a corporation of, you know, uh, when you look at the NYPD mm-hmm. and you say this is the most diverse police department in the country. Our police department is bigger than armies and they brag about diversity. But when you look at the upper levels, it's mostly white men. Right, You have to call out these practices. Do it on social media. You have to show up. Folks say protests don't. Protesting doesn't work. Black people earn the right to vote via protest. We ended uh, Jim Crow via protest. The abolitionist movement was uh, protest in and of itself. So there was so much. There was so much that happened. It sounds to me that one of the consistent threads through this there is a hierarchy problem. There's not enough black people in senior positions, whether it's the police, whether it's politics, whether it's sports club ownership. Mm-hmm. That seems to be the biggest problem, one of the biggest problems. Yes. That you seem and to it's, it's not with. that black people are incapable of black men. No president 
have, has ever inherited America in the state that it was in when Barack Obama got this, 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 this country. And I used to criticize Barack Obama a lot until because somebody, of? because of George Bush, okay. and because of the collapse of Wall Street, our economy was trashed. Right, people mm -hmm. didn't know about their future. Their four hundred one ks were gone. We were in wars all over the place. Nobody knew where Osama bin Laden was. He captured Osama bin Laden and rescued us from the brink of a financial collapse. This was a black man. Mm -hmm. So, people saying that black people are not qualified to hold these positions—it's a farce. It's just nothing but that white supremacist patriarchal power structure. So you got it. You hit the nail on the head. And like I said, I don't want your equality. Keep your equality. Put it on a t-shirt. Wear it. Do whatever you want. Do something nice with it. Give me access. Okay. Give, give people access, right? And we'll handle the rest. Because let's face the fact, there are white people, there are brown people, there are black people who don't want to do shit with their lives. Right? Mm-hmm. For many years, and you know, uh, up until like maybe the last two decades, white people were the majority of people on welfare. Okay, like let's understand that there mm -hmm. are a lot of people who don't want to do shit with their lives. That's fine, but the people who want to do things with their lives, give them that opportunity. And the people who don't want to do anything, let's just make sure they have the basics as human beings, as Christians. Let's just make sure if they want to be able to just sit down and spend their lives watching TV and horrible TV is that and not educating themselves. Okay, let's make sure they have a house and some food. Give your brother a cup of water. This is God talking. This ain't Hulk Newsome, right? Just make sure people have the basics and they can do whatever they want with their lives. And that money really won't impact you per se because you'll be going out there earning. What's the problem with wanting to see people healthy and have health care? Like, it's funny as well. Another thing I'm noticing, it's almost like it's almost like for you this started as Black Lives Matters as a movement, but you're talking about a number of subjects that affect everyone, and it is political. And you know, we know your sister is running. Yeah, Shavonna Newsom. Yeah. And she's running for, for Congress, Congress in New York 15. That's the Bronx where we grew up. So your sister's running for Congress, you know, she's going to have to campaign for everybody who's in mm -hmm. the Bronx. And have you noticed a shift in yourself that you, you're almost, you're, you're drifting part away from Black Lives Matters in that you're now becoming a bit more political and having to consider the welfare of everybody? I'm, I remain black liberation first, uh -huh. but I always show up for everyone. My spine is damaged, Right. My, I, I have numbness in my hands and my feet because when Donald Trump started the first raids, the first ICE raids, I was protesting. Like, my family's black, black, like New York black, which means you probably have family from the South. I have a mother from South Carolina, father from Florida. And um, I was out there protesting for undocumented people. And that wasn't necessarily a... a my fight, so to speak, right? But I love all. I love everybody. You know what I hate, bro? I hate bullies. Mm -hmm. I hate fucking bullies. Yeah, I, fucking I hate, hate bullies. bullies, right? And and I hate to see the powerful taking advantage of the meek. And I'm going to stand in that gap with everything I got. 
And that goes for all people. But I'm, I'm, I'm fighting this fight for black people first because we're talking about 400 years of oppression. Mm-hmm. And people don't want reparations. Like, you got, you, you know, you have Jewish people who say, Bernie Sanders, writing a check isn't the answers until me and other Afro-socialists forced him to adopt reparations, right? Hiroshima, reparations, indigenous people, they got land, they got casinos, they got, you know, but black people who have suffered the most on this land, you don't want to give them anything. What is the state of reparations right now? People are pushing for HB 40, which is an investigation into what reparations would look like. I have this hashtag called run the check. Okay. Yeah. Whatever. Shut the fuck up. Pay me my motherfucking money. I'm an American descendant of slavery. I'm entitled. We talk about the country being on the break brink of of uh, financial collapse. Tobacco was done, right? And then cotton came. There was nobody to work to do the work, right? So they encap- they enslaved black people and forced them to do the work. Get this, man. I want you to wrap your mind around mm-hmm. this, Peter. Black people worked from sunup to sundown and beyond. They worked till their fingers bled. They did everything. They built this country, railroads, the White House, you name it, right? Only in white America could you turn around and call those people lazy. <laughs> they call us, like, like, who was sitting back drinking lemonade, whipping people for not working hard? Like, are you kidding me? But these are these it's, it's Jesus Christ. It's like these shackles on people's minds. Let me ask you a question about reparations because it's not something I fully understand. But mm-hmm. there are multi generation gap between the end of slavery and now. Yeah. And I could see how somebody might say, "Well, there is a limited connection between you and the people who lived under slavery, who were enslaved." because of this multi-generational gap. But it's actually, it's reparation about more about lifting all of black people up because you essentially started at a disadvantage because you were enslaved. Is that an observation, You should right? look into House Bill 40. Okay. You should also look into hashtag ADOS. Okay. African descendants of slavery who talk about black ownership and, and have a really powerful pro-black platform. Yes, slavery was centuries ago, but the era of mass incarceration is now. Yes. There's racism in education now. Racism in housing now. Racism in banking, giving loans to people who are trying to start businesses now. Like, we are blocked in so many different ways, and it all goes back to there. So we have to look at it holistically mm-hmm. and, and, and say, yes, slavery happened. These people are old money. People are old money. But look at everything that's happened since. Okay. And then run the check. Write my motherfucking check. Run my motherfucking check. (laughs) Hawk, man. Look, I'm really glad we did this. I'm glad for your time. You finally made it happen. Glad to meet you. If I can ever do anything for you, let me know. I would definitely want to follow up one day. I also wish your sister the best. Good luck in your campaigning. And I definitely want to come down to that place in the Bronx and smoke a cigar with you one day. Let's do it. All right, man. Great to meet you. Pleasure. Right on. Hey, Cop Watch America on BET. Yeah, shout Google out. Google it, How- find out your local listings, 
It's really intense. There's a lot of activism here in New York and also down in Atlanta. You get to see how we organize and the thought process that goes into it, how our strategies are applied and, and the interactions with the police. And I guarantee you, you will look at this show and say, wow, I didn't know it was like that. I've got to ask you that. And how else can people follow you? Oh, uh, Twitter, Hawk, H-A-W-K, of, O-F, New York spelled out. And on Twitter... And on Instagram, it's H-A-W-K period Newsome, N-E-W-S-O-M-E. And holler at me, I answer all of my DMs. Yes, you do. I answer well, all of mine. my DMs, <laughs> right on. So um, that's actually the best way to get in And I'll share that all out. But again, appreciate right it, man. I wish you all the best. Yo, this was cool, man. Thank you for listening to this episode of Defiance. I hope you enjoyed this interview. And I do want to say a massive thanks to Hawk for coming on the show. We had tried to arrange it a couple of times. And uh, he, look, he's a busy guy, but eventually we fit it in. So big thanks to Hawk for coming on and fielding all my questions. If you do want to find out any more about the topics that we covered, you can check them out on the show notes by heading over to defiance.news. And just a note that in researching the show, I have seen some pushback against the movement, including from people within the black community. I recently interviewed Hotep Jesus on my other show, What Bitcoin Did, and brought up that I was doing the interview, and Hotep had suggested to me that the movement is counterproductive to the needs of black people and has become a bit too focused on democratic socialism. Look, as a white guy from England, I'm a bit too far removed from the key issues to have strong personal opinions, but I will look in the future to get both Hotep and Hawk on together to discuss these issues. Anyway, another massive thanks to Hawk for coming on the show. If you do have any questions about it or you want to reach out to me, my email address is peter at defiance.news. Also, I need to say a big thanks to my sponsor Kraken, the best place to buy Bitcoin, consistently rated the best and most secure cryptocurrency exchange. Kraken puts the power in your hands to buy, sell and trade Bitcoin. Find out more at kraken.com. Also, if you want to support the show, there's a number of things you can do. Please leave me a review on iTunes and subscribe to the show. Follow the show on social media or share it out with your friends and family. If you have any questions about the show, then please feel free to email me on peter at defiance.news.